Hey, what's up? This is Clark Beckham. This is the Beckham Book Club. We're going for habit number two. We're going over the seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey. It's been great. I've been reading this and realizing that a lot of quotes that I've uh, heard, a lot of methods that I've learned, you know, from people and leaders came from this book. So let's, uh, let's continue to jump right in with habit number, habit number two, which is begin with the end in mind. So habit number one, be proactive, go from inside out, change you in order to change everything else in, in a sense. This is begin with the end in mind. And this sounds so simple and I kind of feel dumb every time I think about all the times in my life that I did not do this and that I have not done this and I've not done a good job of this. I'm just kind of oftentimes flailing about in a general direction of productivity. And when I go to judge my effectiveness, I judge how well I've been flailing or just in the, like the generality of it. Well, I, what'd you do today? Well, I, uh, worked on a music idea. Great. Well, what, what, was there any purpose to it? It's like, I don't, I often don't ask that extra question. I just almost like justify whatever I'm doing by taking it at such a shallow view of it, taking a shallow view of it. And it's like, does that sound good? Yeah. I'm a musician working on music, killing it. Um, spent all day researching, uh, marathon exercise plans. Sounds good. Health is important without really figuring out what am I actually doing and what do I want in the end? And and am I, whatever I'm doing, is it going toward that goal? Um, he used a great analogy here that says, you know, the productivity is and the management. It's like a bunch of workers that are chopping down this forest. They're doing a great job. Those are the producers actually chopping down the forest. And then the managers are the people in char- overseeing what they're doing and making sure they're doing their job. And then the leader or the begin with the end in mind guy is the one saying, hey, we're in the wrong forest. And then the managers and workers say, yeah, but we're doing so well. Like we're killing it right now. And oftentimes we ignore the voice or don't even have a voice of the leader that's saying, okay, we're doing, we're 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 act we're being productive in this thing, but do we even want to do this thing? Do we even want progress in this direction? It says don't put the ladder on the wrong wall. Um, it's so easy to get lost in productivity and not realize that you're in the wrong forest. He goes over four things that will lead us to do this habit. Security, uh, if you have security in what you want and what you're doing uh, with with the plan and you're secure and sure in that, that will lead to guidance. That will actually guide you to the path in pursuit of that thing. With that security 
of what you're pursuing and then letting that guide you will calm wisdom. And when you have, because you're doing the wise thing, so when you have security and guidance and wisdom all working, then that leads to ultimately leads to power. Um, another thing he said, I just wrote down, says make sure we're aware of the map. Um, again, it's just kind of like a marathon runner. He's running and he's killing it, but he's not even on the course, so it doesn't matter. Um, then he talks about different things to be centered in, which kind of goes to the security. Like, what do you secure in? Are you, you're secure in what you're centered about, what you're focused on, where you're where you're going, what direction you want to go in your life. And he talks about being friend or enemy centered, being um, marriage centered, being church centered, um, being children, child centered or family centered or work centered, money centered and self centered, of course. And something interesting he talked about um, when he talked about friend and enemy centered especially enemy-centered, he said a lot of, um, he talked about this divorced person um, who's centered on his ex-wife being the enemy, and so he's counting on their weaknesses to justify their past misery and their accusations, and they're still married. You know, they're divorced, but it's like they're still married because they're centered on the people that have done them wrong. Uh, friends, if you're centered on friends, you're constantly, everything you do is going to be centered around obtaining and maintaining friends, all of your decisions. And I'm thinking like, well, yeah, okay, well, if I'm picking one thing, it's going to be family. But if you're centered on family, you're going to, there's an insecurity there. When your center is on a person or on a thing that you don't have control over, there's insecurity because that family could go away. That family is not invincible. He, he says what you need to be centered on is uh, you need to be principle-centered because principles don't die. Principles don't betray you. Principles are time-tested and they're true, and they're, for the most part, objective. One other thing he said about being centered on the wrong thing, he said some people are church-centered, and church is a means to an end. It's not the end itself. I thought that was, I thought that was good. So many people put church as the end itself. Um, the self-centered, I wrote self-centered, compensating for security through labeling and self-justifying. Nothing's your fault. If everything's in centered on yourself, it's everyone else's fault, it's everything else's fault. That's bad news. So what are the principles to center yourself on? Um, he does this exercise where he says, close your eyes, pretend you're at a funeral, you walk up to the casket, it's you. This is your funeral. You have four people speaking at your funeral. A family member, a co-worker, a friend, and a church member or some organization that you're part of, volunteer organization, a member of that. And he 
urges in the book to take this seriously and to really do this. So I did. So what do you, the, the question is, what do you want them, what do you, what do you want them to say about you and at your funeral? So I did this exercise and I'll just share it with you. What do I want a family member to say about me? I want them to say that I had integrity, that I was never convinced by temptation or gain or anything else to do the wrong thing, that I was dedicated to raising a strong family with a strong bond and support system to perpetuate abundant lives and a bunch of them. You know, I want a big family tree of of that, of strength, of, of, of strong values um, led by me uh, and everyone else in the family that's with me. Sharing, uh, I love this quote, this is a quote from um, another book I'm reading, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. He explains this guy named Sextus. In the first part of the book, he just talks about different people and what he admires about them. And he said about this guy, Sextus, said sharing his company was the highest of compliments. I thought that was so cool. And I want someone to say that of me. I want family member to, especially my children, to describe me as a joy to be around. A coworker. I want someone who's with me and in my in my work and business to to say that I was a hard and efficient worker, not just a hard worker, but a smart worker, that I was steadfast, and I was a leader and catalyst of seeing other perspectives, other peoples specifically. I think that is the answer to world peace. If we just saw everyone else's perspective, I think you know, maybe not world peace, I mean, as far as that solving all wars, but as far as the internal discourse that we're constantly seeing and feeling in America, um, if we just worked hard to see the other people's perspective, we would get along so much better, we'd have so much better ideas, and, uh, that's another podcast for another day, but I want to be a leader in that. And that's also in a co-working experience. That's from the leaders to the employees and up and down the chain of command. Uh, I want to always make, sh- make sure everyone is seeing the other perspective. Um, friend, what do I want a friend to say? I want a friend to refer to me as a breath of fresh air. I want them, I want friends of mine to feel that way. I want them to uh, ex- tell the crowd at my funeral that I was wise and fun and constant in times of trouble. A church member. I want a church member to say, especially a pastor, to say that I was dedicated to the kingdom of God and insert, that I was in service to the church above all else. Not in service, uh, excuse me, not, not looking for what the church can do to me, can do for me, but what I can do for the church. And if, this is a pet peeve of mine, man, there's so many people who are there to serve the church, and if they feel like their talent isn't being used in the church, then they get 
a little upset uh, if they're asked to do something or if they're if it's they have they're supposed to sing something and then they can't sing that thing anymore and then they're upset. It's like okay, are are you here to serve yourself or are you here to serve the church? It's real cut and dry to me, and I want to I want a church member and a pastor to always be able to, to say and to know, um, to say about me that I'm dedicated to the kingdom of God and the church, period. Um, those are the, those, and, and now that I've said all those things, I know my principles and I know my end. And so through every decision I make, I have a lens to see what's worthwhile and what's not. In the next chapter, in the next habit, he talks about um, doing things that are worthwhile and they're not pretty much. He talks about, um, well, I don't want to get into it because we'll talk about that next time. And a couple, uh, the last couple of things he says that I really loved. He talked about Viktor Frankl. It's a, another book that I'm going to read and we're totally going to do a podcast on on this, episodes about this. Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. He says, we don't invent our mission, we detect it. You don't just kind of, in my opinion, and in Frankl and Covey's opinion, we don't just kind of sit around and come up with this great idea and go, aha, that's that's my mission. I think we do whatever we're doing, whatever our hand finds to do, I can't remember the phrasing of that scripture, but whatever we're doing, do it really well. And I think we'll find, we'll discover our mission through doing mundane things, doing non-mission life mission things, doing them well with integrity and principles and good habits. We'll find, we'll, we'll detect our life mission uh, instead of invent these lofty dreams without any principles or practice in these principles that will actually get us anywhere. Cool. That's uh, that's habit two. Habit three is next. Keep the main thing the main thing. Mm-hmm.